Hi, it's Tuesday around midday, and I'm going to do the history one today. Uh, today's, I have a sponsor for today. As I mentioned before, I'm still looking for a sponsor this week for the Haftorah, I hope. So, is anyone out there, uh, appreciate if you contact me. Now, um, today's talk is going to be connected with Rosh Hashanah, but also connected with the history of the sponsor literature, with the nature of the sponsor, and that's the Kosowskis, Ira Kosowski and family, Rabbi Kosowski, um, who tells me that he's actually moving. He said, uh, you wrote this a couple days ago, actually, yeah, a couple days ago, they're moving to Michigan tomorrow, after 26 years here, 14 in Baltimore and 12 in Silver Spring, wow. It's a long time. Uh, and they're moved there in the area of Chinuch, and they're moving to Southfield, which I understand is a suburb of Detroit, if I'm right. And uh, Mrs. Kosowski, Rachel, is the new principal of high school. Let me see, for Farber Hebrew Day School, Yeshiva Akiva. I'm not familiar with it. And Rabbi Kosowski will be teaching in the middle school and the high school and serving as Mashkiach Ruchani. Very nice. Very nice. So, sorry to see them moving, but on the other hand, if it's a good... Career move, Hatzlacha. I might add that the Kasowskis are dedicating this, sponsoring this talk uh, in loving memory of their uncle, uh, who passed away, oh my God, passed away recently, uh, Dr. Lester Kasowski, Eliezer Chaim Ben Zundo, who passed away on Friday, August 6, 28 days and of. He said, my uncle was passionately committed to family and community manifest in regularly attending Minyan and encouraging others to do so with him. <laughs> That's what it takes. And at his funeral, it was shared that the only thing he enjoyed more than a Minyan was Minyan with a shear. <laughs> That's a Jewish Jew. That's an that's a L type Jew. Um, so we dedicate this also in memory of Dr. Lester Kosowski. Uh, he mentioned he was interested in the Shalos and Chibis literature, response to literature, which I mentioned from time to time. And I wanted to deal with a theme today. Since we're now in Rosh Hashanah time, we have all the, we're about to start the Slichos and the Piyutin and so forth and so on. And we live in such a uh, time for, uh, how should I put it? We live in such a time when, you know, uh, I would say it's an anti piyut age. Uh, so I wanted to mention uh, one or two classic uh, references in terms of historic response. I don't know if you're familiar or not, but there's a famous Ibn Ezra in which he blessed the Kaliri. Uh, this has to do with different notions of poetry. I study poetry a little bit, and I like it, but I'm not a bucky in the area of poetry, but I know enough to say... There's always going to be at least two styles in poetry, uh, <clears throat> which are fashionable at different times and different places among different audiences. One's clear and simple poetry, and the other one's obscured and complex poetry. In the English language also. It's the same thing with art, you know, like painting, impressionistic, and so forth. I'm a peasant, so, you know, I like to play in simple stuff. But check out T.S. Eliot and all that. You know, it's all obscure. Everything's a mushal, vajito. And this refers to this. That's the way it goes. Now, in history, in history of Jewish poetry, you've also had competing sensibilities. And one of them is, you like the plain and simple. And the other one is, no, you like the obscure and the recondite. With, you know, uh, 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 references you have to hop and uh, sort of mine like an archaeological site. It's well known that the Meshoreis uh, Farad, the Spanish Pythonim, were into the plain and simple. They picked from the Arabs and from the Bible. But we also know that the Releza Kaliri and others like the other way. I would say in general, the Ashkenazi stuff is more into the obscure, and the Sephardi is more into the uh, non-obscure, the plain and simple. The classic place of this would be the famous commentary of Ibn Ezra, at the beginning of the fifth chapter of Kohelis, I'm using the Geisha thing, Perkei Pasigal. Right? Right? 
where it says very famously, Al Tavahel, Al Picha, Velibcha Al Yimaher, Lehotzi Dover Lefnei Elohim, Kilohim Bashamayim Vatol Oretz, Al Kein Yud Vorech Matim. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. What does that mean? So on this, David Ezra says that um, he sees as a reference to the proper way that one should speak to God, which is plain and simple, not obscure. Amr, Avram, Machabah, check it out. It's very famous. Now with the new art scroll stuff, everything's manukad. It's easy to read. Avram, Avram, Machaber, he no halalti, ladaber, I want to say a few words. God is everywhere. You can only pray at certain times, certain places, certain lashonas. It's hard to keep a kavana. Remember, you're standing for a king. Right? Isn't that interesting? Since you speak to God rarely, and when you do, you have to have in mind what you're saying, it's ridiculous to say words you don't know what you're saying. It's like I'm talking to God, I'm saying, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what I'm saying. Or I'm reading something in Turkish. And don't simply say, I'm saying the words of some other author. Because everybody makes mistakes, including the person whose words you're copying. Or sometimes the text is faulty because, you know, in the old days especially, it's not written outrightly. And then he goes on to say, Uklal Omar, I just want to say in general, Gesh Pepiyuti Rebelosar Kalir, Menuchaso Kavod, Arbod Varm Kashin. I have Tainus in the Piyutim of Kaliri, there are four big problems. This is Ibn Ezra, a great poet and ling- linguist, speaking from that aspect. Hadavar Echad, first of all, Sharube Piyutov Chidus Mushon. Everything by him is a Chidam Mushal. No, there's nothing plain and simple, it's all obscure. This is referring to this medrash, and that's referring to this. And when it says this word, it never it doesn't say Avram. It says you know Ha'ason or something like that. You get it? But and he goes into detail for some piyutim. One of them is a famous piyut on Rosh Hashanah. Actually, it's not famous at all. I mean, it was famous once upon a time. It's in the uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you for a second. And that is Ansicha Malchi. And so forth. Now, this is from Kaliri, and it's a piyot that we don't say anymore except those that do. And what I mean is the following. I'm holding in my hands an art scroll Malks of Roshana. It's a Sfard, because that's my shul. And if you go, let me put it this way, the art school mocksers are pretty stripped down in terms of piyutim. They cut out a lot for a whole bunch of reasons. I would say yeshivish sensibility. However, so so in other words, if I go to Malchius in the uh, Chazar Sashats by Mosef, uh, I won't see any poems except for Yisoyu Kol or something like that. Now, um, you know, not your typical Putin. However, if you go to the art scroll on page 502, and I'm sure this is if I had a Nusach Ashkans, it would be the same thing, you'll see that in the Malchius, after you see all the, uh, etc. Then it says, Remember all those Pesukim of Malchius. Well, you know, the second chapter, second paragraph of Elenu. So you just went from Ochilo, etc. And then you learn to me, they close the ark, and they go to Alkin the Kavlachov. Well, not everybody. I'm reading from the art scroll, Machser, and it says at the very top of page 502, some congregations recite Ansicha Malki at this point on weekdays, and another one on the Sabbath. And therefore, if you go all the way at the end of the art scroll, Machser, for gluttons of punishment, there's a part called additional piyutim, piyutim no safim. Like I said before, it's in the article Machser. And if you go to page 687, you'll see at the bottom a whole little piyut there 
where it says, During Musaf of the first day, some congregations recite this piyad before Al-Kain, ascribed below as a calerius alphabetical theme, a scheme, and so forth. So, I doubt most of the listeners in this podcast are in shuls where they're saying extra piyadim. Oh, it's Kenzan. You know, we have people around the world. It could be. And it's sufficiently well known that it merits this art scroll reference. For some, now, I got no problem with that, but the Ezra does, because he says the Ivri is bad. He spends a whole paragraph, okay? Askim v'yudav echod, v'chul yirei yachpil, v'chadoshim yachpil, v'yomze pur yipol, v'besinin yimloch. He picked a sentence out of this long period to show how grammatically it's all messed up. Uh, whoa, talk about, you know, uh, what's the right word? Examining with a fine tooth comb. Fault finding, but he did, Okay. And he makes the point that he's violating Zachar Nekeva, Yachad Rabbim, and the rules of Diktuk. Now, this is just interesting to me because Diktuk itself was actually invented as a formal science in Spain. And the Kaliri lived before that, as we all know. When exactly he lived is not 100% clear, but that he lived well before Spain is a Dover Pashat. Now, uh, I'll, I'll repeat what I just said. Formal Diktuk that you and I are familiar with with the colonifle and all the rest of it, and the formal rules um, are uh, from Spain, starting in the 900s and then in the 1000s and 1100s. That's where it all comes from. Does that mean before there was dictic, people spoke? No, but the dictic guys basically looked at the Bible and the Mishnah, and they discerned rules from it. It didn't come down, you know, people like the Radak or before him, the Ibn Janak and Ibn Chayuj, and so forth. You know, those people, you know, simply tried to discern the patterns and they were consciously following the Arabs. If the Arabs make such a big deal out of their tiktok, and they said since they believe in the Quran, so the Arabic language in which um, Muhammad got his prophecies must be Lush and Kodesh. The Jews are saying, no, Hebrew is the Lush and Kodesh. And just like you were uh, into your language with the tiktok, to went to ours. But Ibn Ezra obviously doesn't see it that way. And he said, tiktok is there from the day Adam and Eve were created. And you can't violate the rules, and the Kaliri violates the rules. And more importantly, it's obscure. Somebody reading this doesn't know what he's reading. Um, that's just an interesting point. And after going through a whole point, I'm not going to bore you with the dictic details. I don't think most of you like that. But he says, King Solomon was a pretty smart cookie. And there is a prayer that he composed. In the book of Melech Malaf, when he dedicates the temple, it's a very interesting prayer. But the point of the matter is, it's in simple and plain Hebrew. It's not obscure, full of strange allusions. So one, you know, is a pretty good, as we would say today, he's a pretty good wordsmith. So why not those who write Piyutin to hopefully enhance the quality of the davening, meaning your spiritual experience, you're talking to God. Why are they writing plain, simple words that the person knows what he's saying? That's, that's just like a certain sensibility. Okay? And he goes on and on about this. About Dovrashani, the second item, he says, that is criticizable in the piyutim of Kaliri and people like that. Shepiyutim of and Belush and Talmud. Right? This is just very interesting. There are a lot of Gemara expressions, Midrashic expressions, Aramaic words in the Putin. Now, you see, I want to tell you something. A yeshivish person is like this. That's very cool. You know, if he had it near my Kamashmalon or something like that, that's just very cool, right? And as is the case with every classicist, when you see something taken from classic literature, it brings a certain smile to the face. But from a purist point of view, Davening's supposed to be Lush and Kaddish. And not from Talmudic expressions. Okay? Shepiyutu murav in Beloshan Talmud, v'yodua sheyesh kam lashonas, but Talmud v'enam Beloshan Kodesh. There's a lot of non-Hebrew in the Talmud. V'chein amru, Loshan mikra l'chud, v'loshan tam l'chud, the Gemara itself says so. U'mehe v'yona b'tzara hazos, l'ispalel b'loshonas nachrias. So why did the Kaliri introduce this problem to have foreign Geisha languages in there? 
In the book of Nehemia, he said people who couldn't speak Hebrew well, he blasted them. And how much more so, we're talking about when you talk to God. Why don't, if you want to make piyutim, and David Ezra wrote piyutim himself, why don't you learn from the Iker Davni, which is all in the writ? From Nachik Zagdola. Loma lo nilma minatfila kvua, she kula divri tachos, beloshan kodesh. Right? Everything is, you know, uh, in pure Hebrew. Veloma nis palea beloshan modai, uparas, ve yavon, ve edom, ve yishmal. So why throw in all these geisha words? Isn't that interesting business? From a linguistic point of view, the Gemara, as we all know, contains a whole host of foreign words. The Talmud Bavli has a lot of Persian words and stuff like that. The Talmud Yushalmi has a lot of Latin and Greek words. The Bavli also has a lot of Latin and Greek words. Just because somebody's, you know, just because mentioned the Gemara doesn't mean it's appropriate. You know, what's that famous joke? Anyone who says, um, anyone who says Chazal used uh, Gaisha words is Apokyrus. <laughs> you know that? Um, if you get it. So that's the second objection to uh, uh, Kaliri. Hadavra Shlishi, the third problem. Afil Hamila, Shem Blushin Kodesh, Yeshman His words have a lot of grammar mistakes. Right? Like I said, Ansicha Malki Lafanam, you should not have the Nun in there. It violates the rules. For those who are a little bit familiar with Dikta, you have Chasri Pehei, Chasri this, Chasri that. Then after going. Through several examples, you're not weird. See, this is flipping it. You're not weird if you know Diktu. Now, in the Yeshiva world, you're weird if you know Diktu. But he's saying that's a sign of perversion, right? Inversion of hierarchy. Right? He says, take for example, benching. If you get, if you say the word wrong. He said, "Rain, uh, how's it go? You know, Rachinam, Harvichen, Ram, Parnasinu, Chal Kalenu, and so forth." He says, "Zinenu, Tumaham Avarchin Beberchas Hamazer Shiyomru Zinenu," instead of Zunenu. Below Yoder Zinenu, who means Zona on Asher. So, you know, when you say in benching over here, what's wrong with me? Let me pull out a little bencher here, my old TA bencher. Um, <laughs> it's funny how the word gets in my thing. Uh, here we go. Can't believe I don't remember this. Elohino vino reenu zunenu parnasenu chalkalenu v'harbicheno. So what was the second one? Reenu zunenu. Zunenu means give us mazonis. But he said a lot of people say reenu zunenu. Give us znus. <laughs> well, that's wrong. Okay. At least I think that's wrong. Okay? So, in other words, it's not funny, he's saying. Your mom is mangling the Hebrew language and saying the wrong thing. The Hebrew language in the hands of Rebbe Elazar Kaliri in a prude saying Chomo is like a brief city, meaning it's full of grammar mistakes. She asked him in a Zachar, the Keva, Hebechtover. He violates the rules of Zachar and the Keva because everything in Hebrew has to be either Zachar and the Keva. There's no middle ground. Um, it gives a whole bunch of examples of that. I mean, a, a lot of examples of that. Um, Yesh Omrim. Now, the Ebenezer says, I know that people are going to claim, You can't criticize the Kaliri after he died. That's, that's cheap. Hachuva, my response is, Ruch El Excuse me, it's a posset. God created all of us. We're all human beings. Okay? And it's possible for you, for people to make mistakes. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Hakadmonim komono, even the pre-erdict, the people who in earlier generations were human beings like we were, even the Tanoim and Amorim were people, maybe they were great people and beyond what we can imagine. I'm talking about the Ibn Ezra saying. But they were people. Vini Amrachachamenu, and the Gemara says in Megillah, when Daniel tried to count the 70 years, expecting when the the, 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 the second Bayashenu would come, 
he messed up in his cheshem. No, he can make a mistake. You don't say because Daniel was like a prophet or something like that. Therefore, it's impossible for him, you know, infallibility. It could be wrong. So if I'm pointing out that the Kaliri made mistakes, he made mistakes. You know, that doesn't make him a bad person, but it doesn't make the mistakes not mistakes. And if they are mistakes, why do you, the worshiper, want to read his stuff? You know, recite his stuff during prayers. Uh, and so on and so forth. And he goes on to say, even in Davening, we say, hey, in PBO Samcha Yisrael, Shalai Kosh that they shouldn't make him, he, you know, hey, in PBO Samcha Yisrael, the Chazan says in Yom Kippur, to him means don't make grammar mistakes, which is a cute way of looking at it. And finally, Hadavar Hervi, the fourth problem, Shakol Piyutov, Malayim Midrashas Vagodas. This is what I told you before about the different sensibility. He doesn't like allusions. He's not a T.S. Eliot guy. Many poems, in the history of poetry, many poems are highly allusive. That this refers to that, and that refers to this. And some are not. He is that poems which one thing means another refers to something obscure, and you have to like to de- decode it as a negative as far as the poetry is concerned. So don't give me a, 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 a shock from a medrash, because the person, the worshiper doesn't even understand what the, what the, what the plain meaning is. In Kin Ein Roy Lehispaleo, you could agree with this. Is I'm just sharing with you a famous episode from Jewish history. A person shouldn't daven in a non-shot fashion. He shouldn't daven in a sewed fashion. This is debatable. Right? This is debatable, as we know. And a Kabbalist and others would totally disagree with this. So I'm telling you, this is what I call the Birnbaum sitter sensibility. Say, playing the Burim, it can be eloquent. You can say, you know, me yechia, me yamus, me that's good Hebrew, and it's powerful stuff. You don't have to go in these uh, obscure, uh, not shot uh, words. I'll skip that. Um, so anyway, he goes on and on about that. But I'll go inside, you if you look at Sadiagung, he says, who has a sitter with a lot of piyutim that Sadia composed, he said, he's fine. Nishmar If you read the sitter Sadiagung, he did not do like the Kaliri, but he wrote plain stuff. So he likes that style. And indeed, I would say in general, it's always easier, especially Slicha's time, to read the stuff from the Svartim, because it's straightforward. You know what I'm saying? Ashkenazim is often very obscure. Uh, at this stage in my life, where I'm a little bit learned, you know, I, it's cool to me now. You read the Slichas, I say, oh, I know what this alludes to, and I know that alludes to. But I'm well aware, most people standing around, unless they have art school, uh, Slichas, for example, with the footnotes, and you have the time to read the footnotes as you're racing through them very early in the morning, they don't got any idea what's, what, what, what it's talking about. Okay? Um, and he goes on and on and on. Uh, and some people blur words together, and so on and so forth. To conclude, I haven't t- I've touched less than 0%, you know, one thousandth of the mistakes that the Python uh, uh, make. I've just given you a few examples out of thousands. Vatov I therefore, it was, in my opinion, it would be best. Shalogis Palel Adam Bahem. Don't use these piyutib when you daven. Just use the regular davening from the sitter and the machzer, the basic stuff. And have fewer words. And everyone will be punished. So, in other words, this is his commentary to the Pusik that says, Now I'll read you the Pusik. Al Tavahel Al Picha, Balibcha Al Yamaher, Lahotzi Dover Lufne Elhim. See where he's going with that? Alkin Yud Vorecha Ma'atim, which he understands to mean, or interprets to mean, uh, don't go with fancy uh, uh, Piyutin, 
which are written wrong, and mistakes, uh, uh, obscurities, allusions. But Dvorach Ma'atim, just stick with the plain Davin. This is a aesthetic sensibility. Um, it's one point of view. Um, therefore, he didn't have a high opinion of the Kaliri. And if it was up to him, you would totally excise and omit all the Kaliri Putin in there. It would just be confined to some strange archaeological business. It was up to the Ibn Ezra. Now, what's interesting is, this is very famous, by the way. It's the beginning of the fifth pair of Kalalas. You can read it yourself. It's extremely famous. There are other places where he goes into a um, couple of Otskotates, as it's called. I actually did a video on it. I don't know if it's up on my YouTube site yet. Years ago, in 2015, from my mom's yard site, uh, spoke about this. But as I said before, I'm just sharing with you. Now, another... Now, um, let's put it this way. In the modern era, uh, beginning of the Haskalah, so... The Maskilan, who are not coming from a from angle. The Ibn Ezra was. But the modern, and Ibn Ezra was a major figure in the Haskalah of Spain, which had a different character. But it was Maskilic, uh in the modern Haskalah. So um, there was always a big push to get rid of these things because they said, first of all, people like to cut out uh, from, the, you know, remove stuff from Davening and get out earlier. I understand that. That's number one. Number two, it offended. The Maskilic, um Ibn Ezra's sensibility that you want things in correct grammatical Hebrew. And I think you understand also that from the modern Maskilic perspective, uh, they also didn't like the Talmudic illusions, Midrashic illusions. They liked the Pashup shot. Therefore, if somebody was tining like the Ibn Ezra, and it's the time of the Haskalah, uh, don't be surprised if the big postkin or the Shalos and Shubas writers would oppose the Ibn Ezra and defend the Kaliri. A classic uh, re- reference to this is the first Shubin that Shub Meava from Eliezer Flecklis, whose bio- biography I did not long ago. At the very beginning of the Shub Meava, um, where he, in, in, from, from 1793, smack in the middle of the Berlin Haskalah, and um, he says, Shalto, Betuva Agoro, etc., etc., Alamiris Hapiyuta. So he's got a Talmud who's a Rav from Guy, but he's reading the Ibn Ezra, and knows the Ibn Ezra is a Rishon. And I'm sure if this is Bohemia in the 1790s, he's also getting some flack from the local left wingers. And he's writing to. The Shubmiyava, because of Lezer Plekos, knew Diktuk and he knew Hebrew very well, among other things. And it says, Alamiris Apiutin Vaslichas Betfila, Sha'olu Kulam Kimshonim. They're all full of nestles, meaning that nobody understands them. Remember, this is before the art scroll, this is even before the Yiddish translations of my youth. People just read a bunch of words. One in a million understood them. Imke Safa, Kvede, Loshan, Kashir Kfar Herich, Ebn Ezra, Bibiur Kohelis. Right? And Bashovach Buzal Kalir, Bidmusar Baponin. And he attacked the Kaliri on four paragraph headings, as I just went with you. Upar Piv, Livli Chok, Balag Harbe, Gamayeser Putin. And he attacked all the other Putin. Until he concluded and says, skip the Putin altogether. There is a, a legend. I don't think it's actually true. I don't want to get into this. Did the Rambam write a letter praising Ibn Ezra? But let's say he did. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. So in other words, Ibn Ezra is not a jerk. Okay? Gamanisha Mati. Uh, he said, I heard a lot about the, how great the Ibn Ezra was, so what do you have to say? And, you know, the the, the um, Shumiyava, after giving what I always call those uh, pro forma declarations of self-abnegation, you know, it's not a Gemara, and all the rest of it gets into it, 
And what does he say? He says, I'm angry. Um, duh. You know, I'm not angry at David Ezra, but I'm angry at the people who praise him. The masculine in other words. Anybody with an aesthetic sense flips it and sees it's Gavali. See, this is what I told you before. The Chu Miyava is a big rope. He was a Talmud Mubik Nerviuda. He's a Gemara guy. He likes, right? He likes those kind of things. You get it? He likes those kind of things. And if he sees a, a, a you know, a, uh, a reference to Picker of Lezard is Gavaldic. Nobody else in Prague probably understands, but he does. And he says it's a sign of great art. And it has an aesthetic sense. As I told you before. He would like T.S. Eliot. Right? Um, so what does he say over here? Malayim Ziv Chachma Fikim Noga Hatvuna Uburuch Piv Agados Midrashas Stumus Mufarshas. They're Gavaldic. They're obscure midrashim that you have to figure out yourself. Yafe also beito He did a gvaldik, and chudachidis. He's got you know uh, riddles. They're 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 great, and he goes on a great length to make the following point, which I'll ch- summarize because this is long. First of all, Lezer Kaliri, who is he? He might be a Tana. There are some things like that. He might be an Amora. Some things like that. In which case, whoa, <laughs> right? He's not a jerk. Uh, that's number one. Number two, this is a very uh, classic shroomy thing. He says, Tosis quotes the Kaliri all the time. And he lists like 50 places because the Chumia was a gone and he knew Shas and so forth. And uh, Tosis all the time holds tremendous from the Kaliri, takes him very seriously. One of the many places, wait a minute. For those who are getting ready for Rosh Hashanah now, in a week or so, is in the third pack of Rosh Hashanah, Daf Chav Zayin, where the, the Gemara is discussing, you know, is the world created in Tishrei or in Nisan? And there's a Tosus on it, Kemal Matzlin and Zayim Tchilas Masechel. And in the middle, Tosus says, Umasha Yosad Rulasa Kaliri Begeshem Shmini Atzeres this is unbelievable. He brings Tosas raises as a kasha a stira in the Putin. Now, ordinarily, princes, I guess, it's stira the Gemara, I understand. You know, stira in Rashi, maybe. A stira in, in, in poems? Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a great man over here. Maybe they hold him for a ton or a more. Instead of asking Akasha, how come in one piet of Rebbe Kaliri for Shmini Atzeres, he goes that Petishrei Nivra Olam, and another one on Pesach he composed the other way. Um, Rabbeinu Tam, can you believe this? So Rabbeinu Tam took this seriously enough to offer a tshuva, a classic dialectical um, reconciliation. Um, Rabbeinu Tam, the Elu Veilu Dibur Kim Chaim. They both are are are, are defensible positions. They don't necessarily contradict. Equal a mamer, the betishrei all of the machshav libros below nivra nisan. You could argue that the machshava, God's machshav, His thought of creating the world started in one month and 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 came into actual fruition in the other. He thought in um, tishrei, and he only did it in nisan. That's not so simple to understand, but. Without getting into the nitty gritty of that particular business, because I mean there was no time if, before the world's created, but whatever the, whatever it means, the chuva miyava, Lesser Fleckos from Prague will argue. You see, Tovis takes very seriously what this guy says. So he's not some katla, he's not some jerk, okay? And uh, as I say before, he lists, it's a very interesting uh, chuva, and it's got 50 paragraph headings. <laughs> so now he's showing off to this student, what am I talking about? It's a lot more than 50. Oh, baby. It's uh, 60. Right? At least 60 paragraph headings. Um, Interesting. 
Okay? Now, he says, if you're talking about lesser clear, it's one thing. The recent putum stink. Right? That have creeped into the sitters. Because at the end of the day, who decides what Pete you say? The publisher of the sitter. Avil Erech Kufnun Shonen, about 150 years ago, and he's writing in the 1790s. So he's talking about around the year 1600, approximately. They started adding a lot of trinos and uh, Yiddish, Hebrew, um, not classic things from Kaliri. Local poet tasters in, 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 in Ashkenaz Europe. And they talk a stink. They're not good in Hebrew or anything like that. They're as attractive as old ladies. Um, There's nothing good in it. That's the difference. So I don't hold from the old, from the new Putin. Isn't that interesting? I will cut them out. Uh MS Nederis Choshech Tor Chosach Tor Mishkar Shachoris on Macharma Elo Hikubis on Vermanchivrim Amonam Lobinus. And so he said they did something really disgusting. They 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 um Hikubis on Vermanchivrim. They struck with blindness people already blind. You know, obviously it's a play in words from the uh, what happened to Sedom with the two angels. Hikubis on Vermanchivrim. In other words, the average public out there doesn't really know anything. Even the typical yeshiva guy doesn't understand this kind of stuff. And And so they, poets, could make up their own putim and stuff like that. And there's nobody to judge or criticize them. You see? Amlo uh, Binos, the public is asses. Baskar is shameless. Hamalachim, Bamamunim, was fierce. Belima. So basically, he's talking about the new Kabbalistic stuff, right? The Hiratsons and uh, the sort of thing you find, for example, in between, um, you know, talking about the uh, chauffeur blowing, like those little paragraphs. He says, that's all bull. And the extra, you know, before you say, um, especially the Yiddish uh, 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 before you, you blow shofar you say a certain uh, prayer um, you don't have to pay any attention to that stuff and the truth of the matter is they're even theologically objectionable because you're praying to spheros uh, if you look it's very famous I actually have an old in my shul somebody gave us Nate Weinstein uh, it's a long story, but we have the original art school Hashanah Machzor. They changed it, and there it is a reference to Yeshua Saraponim, which seems to be Jesus. Somebody stuck in there, um, the, according to the Munkacharov, in the first printings, and now they removed it. So you see, you know, the, the the public reads this stuff; they have no idea what they're doing. They're, they're doing stupid things. Right? Uh, they're praying, end up praying to angels. And praying to uh, spheros and things like that. I share a little king levada relis and you don't pray to middlemen. Afkil aydei emsa hatfil carbon, especially if davening is a carbon. So what are you offering a carbon to a sphera? You offering carbon to a malach, and so on and so forth. Elov elov lo lemidosov, and it's a whole long business over here. Um, very interesting with uh, references to a barbanel and so forth about how the post-Kaliri piyutim that you find in the last of the room stink. And this is why the art school removed a lot of them. You know, it's based on this kind of sensibility that they're talking not good. Now, um, and he goes on to say, you know, that he's anti-Kabbalistic because it's the, the, the Shuv Me'ava, the author here, is an anti-Kabbalist. Meaning he believes in Kabbalah, but he doesn't like the way it's spread over here. And he brings a famous story from Noda Behuda, who felt the same way. Um, where does he say it over here? 
And also, by the way, there was a problem with Shabtai Tzviism. People stuck in prayers and was interwoven secret references to Shabtai Tzvi because that's when he lived. You know, once you're adding extra tefillos, who knows what the um, uh, publishers of the of the Chumashim, I'm sorry, of the Machzorim are sticking in there. Could be Sabatian. There was a lot of that problem. And, um, you know, the language is very heavy over here. Very uh, vivid. Uh, and below it, ever since Shabtai 3 in 1666, his Arba Boy, is he cussing out Shabtai Tzvi. These references that are in there, Lo Yechzu Yemehem, and they shall drop dead. Vatarvasein Oser Mamashu. Even a tiny word from Shabtai Tzvi should puzzle the whole master. Bamashu Tarus Tarvasein Derechlal Yosavato Kol Tchinas Abakoshes Edel. Get rid of all the stuff. The Kaliri, that's one thing, but this new stuff, don't trust any of it. Umein Ani Shemay Varish Sharisi Echad Ayi Varish Lavarch. Al Miki. He said, I saw a guy went to the Nodi Behuda, kill your tummy Mahadrim and Hadrin. The Nodi Behuda always spend a fortune to get the best Esrit, you know. And a guy wanted to bench Esrit when the Nodi Behuda's Esrit, which he was willing to do. You know, be a nice guy, let him, let the guy use it. Kasharasa, Plony Amr, Yerotsen, Kermitil's Lulav. When the guy started reading that, he wrote something that we all say. <laughs> you know, you have it printed up on the wall of the sukkah. First time you take the Lulav. Cause ragas, the nerdibut had a fit. Remember Kets of Goro, and he screamed out loud. Hermiki Rotson, ain't a manichal of work. I'd yes, You want to say that he wrote some business? Don't use my answering. Planichal of work. I take it back. You can't use my answering. So, um, Baharbi Yishla Dabib Dwarm Elo Kaelo, and we rove to reduce the local harich. But I don't want to get into this more. So, you see, the question of Piyutim. If you're talking about the Kaliri on the one hand, or later Putum on the other hand, was a hot item, especially when it was connected with things like Shabtai Tzviism, or what they regarded as incorrect theological compositions. You pray to angels, you pray to spheros, you pray to the other things, and the Velt doesn't know what they're saying. You understand? The Velt doesn't know what they're saying. Now, I just want to say, there are those who defend them, and I don't have the time to go into it, maybe some other time, and make arguments, and you know, great Gedolim, who say the Loshan is okay, but it was always a hot item, okay? Now, there is also a very intriguing suggestion connected with this that you find in the Sharfrain, who I did once also, uh, in the 1600s, in the 17th century, he was one of the big postcom at that time. If you remember, he was in Budapest and other places, and um, he knew the Sephardim very well, he grew up partially in Sephardim, Sephardim. This is before the Hasidim started. And I think he had a lot of Shilohs from Italy. And one of them is a classic question uh, in the Shara Fraim. Nishaltim Ashkenazi Shemespalim Sephardim of Sephardim Hamespalim Ashkenazim in Yosidechos Tfilosim. Fair question. Can I and Ashkenazi daven a Sephardim minion with their davening? And other things as well. And you know, he's a regular straight up posig, and he says this, you know, thing's already been discussed uh in the Marshtam, which I think I talked about with you. Because the Marshtam lived in, in um Salonic in the fifteen hundreds when all these different groups were coming there. And uh, he goes on to defend all the different you know, types of uh, of uh, tefillahs. Uh, Sephardim is okay. Ashkenazim is okay. As to the question whether one should done with the other, he said, that's a machlogus aposkin. And he suggests, I want to emphasize, suggests, uh, when he addresses the question, why do people like the Kaliri? Like obscurity. They clearly cultivated obscurity in their literary style. What's the reason? And he says something which I think is rather cute. A very 17th century, and he says, "Hatam sheyazda tanoim vagaonu apiyutim shalonu, beloshen shenu mavon cholodim." Now, Zimbanezra has an interesting point. 
if you're making a peel, why don't you make it understandable to people? And he gives a classic dialectical answer. He said, maybe it's like the, the, the toast isn't getting. And what's the toast isn't getting? Say? On uh, page 60, Dapsama. There's a little piece here in the Perkinazakim. A small piece where it says, Amr of Lezer, Torah Rov Biksav, Umid Al Peh. Which is bigger, the Torah Shabbat or Torah Shabbat quantitatively. So according to Rabbi Lazar, Torah Rov Biksav Umid Al Peh. Shenemer Echtav Lo Rubi Tarasi, Kmozer Nechshavu. So Echtav Lo Rubi Tarasi sounds like Rov of the Torah was written. Rabbi Yochanan disagrees and he says Rov Al Peh Umid Biksav. And the Gemara said, "What do you do with the pasuk Echtav Rov Tarasi? How bit me up? It's a time. It's a bit me up." It's a rhetorical question. Echtav rov terosi? Am I? You think I'm going to write rov of the Torah? No. Hello, kamor zar nechshavu. I'll be like a zar, like a stranger. So Tosa says, in his interpretation, "Shuuma um, saolam." He quotes a medrash. "Uma saolam kosevus a Torah." The Torah Shavuot we know was trans was put in, by definition was written down and translated in Septuagint and places like that. As a result, the guy stole the Torah from us. And look what a mess they made. If the Torah Shalapet was also written, they would have that also, which nowadays you can do with the art school. Therefore, Tosa says that, that God was saying, You think I want to write it all down? Even the Torah Shalapet? What I already wrote down has become strange to me. Because by the time the Christians, for example, get a hold of the Old Testament and rework it and retranslate it, it's like a strange book to us. Not that you read Christian Bibles, but you get the idea, okay? They took something which is near and dear and they turned it into a stranger. So I don't want that with the Gemara also. So therefore, they didn't do it. So in other words, let's put it this way. Do it according to this way of thought. The reason... The Torah Shabbat is the Torah Shabbat. It's not the only reason, but a big reason is that it shouldn't be accessible to others. Well, therefore the Sharafrayim, the Shalos and Shul Sharafrayim, this is similar to Gimel if you're interested, says, lo ratzu when they composed, like Kaliri and the others, the, the, the Piyutim, they deliberately cultivated obscurity. So they shouldn't be appropriated by the church or by whoever. Right? In other words, I don't expect you to be familiar with Christian prayers. Even cat, even old ones. But it's taken from the Bible. So it's taking our stuff and misusing it. Right? So you see, you want them to do that also, they should take the, the sublime ideas from the Blazer Kaliri, that should also end up in another culture? No. Therefore, they wrote in such a way that somebody, unless you're a Tamachacham, and you study it, and you make it your business, you know, to crack it, and decode it, which is possible, but it takes work, and that itself, you know, keeps many people away from it, and therefore it stays, you know, purely Jewish. Uh, um, as he says over here, it is doable, but it takes an effort. Let's put it this way. Take the trouble, look up the sources, or else do it the right way. Go through Shas, familiarize yourself with that, with the Medish Rabbah, Medish Tankuma, and so forth, even the Zohar. Uh, and then you'll read these prayers, you understand exactly what they're talking about. Even though most people won't understand it. So it's not impossible, but it's difficult. To create a text which is difficult to access is viewed by the Shara Frame as a plus, not a minus. And so you see the question of extra prayers, especially Rosh Hashanah's time, uh, has always provoked classic differences of opinion among great people, I've already mentioned Dave was a great person. Um, but there's no such thing as a single party line on this. 
because there are different simple sensibilities. Today, we're in a funny business. On the one hand, um, people want to get out early. On the other hand, the stuff is talk available in ways that it wasn't before. I'm not going to say the art school translations of the Putin are gavaldic, because they certainly are not. They have their mistakes. I've noticed that plenty of times. But nevertheless, it opens it up to you. You get it? Now it's coming Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Uh, there's a lot of Piyutin and stuff like that out there. Uh, if you want to follow with the art school, I mean, you'll have a pretty good idea what's flying. I'll tell you again, I've seen some mistakes, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, 80% is definitely right. Maybe more. Uh, and in Eretz Yisrael, they have Hebrew, again, Ivrit, Ivrit, where they do even a better job, you know, more exact, because we live in such an era. So the stuff is definitely accessible. It is very interesting. And now I'm sure they have with footnotes to Hebrew, Hebrew. So you can get at it. But the average Hamunam type of person today is not what we're trained in. It's not what they teach in high school, certainly. It's not what they teach in yeshiva. Because you have to do it on your own if you're interested in doing it. But one thing is definitely right. That it's not good to be, to using the words of the Chuv Me'ava, to be one of the people, Asher Hiku B'Sanverim, Anoshim every that the blind are, are, are bashing the blind. So, uh, you see, now this is not the sum total of all the response literature on it, but as far as I'm aware, this tube of uh, the Chumiyava and the Sharafrim are two among the classics, okay? The classics. And one is from Italy in the 17th century when you had different communities living side by side. It was hard to get a minion one and had to pull people from the other. And the other one is, is the early Haskalah, especially in Prague and Berlin, Tom and Mendelssohn immediately afterwards, which have different sensibilities kicking in. Um, plus, Sabatian stuff. Uh, I don't know, I just think it's interesting. And anyway, with that, I want to thank the Casalsis again uh, for uh, sponsorship today. Um, I hope we get somebody for the Haftorah. And with that, we wish you a good week.